kind of official. It starts at one, two, three, four, five. All right, so it counted down. Definitely. Welcome to a, another edition of FinBits. Today, I am very excited. I have my first official guest on the program. Her name is Miss Abby. Hi, Abby. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi. Abby has agreed to come on FinBits because I think she has a lot of uh, a lot of relevant questions that uh, a lot of folks in in her age group probably thinking the same things. A couple years out of college, a lot of things financial coming at you from different different ways, and so she reluctantly agreed to come on and and talk with me. Um, now, just again, you know, my goal with FinBiz is to give some financial education. I'm not trying to give advice because, you know, everyone's situation is going to be a little bit different. But I think what Abby, uh, some of the things that she and I have talked about previously might hit home with a lot of folks. Now, Abby, I think I've known you since, uh, I don't know, you were maybe four, three? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> It's been it's been a few decades now. Um, it has. You've certainly got certainly got a lot taller, and it's uh, awesome to see how you've just wandered through life and arrived where you are. But um, why don't you tell our yeah. vast FinBits audience, all twenty five, <laughs> all of them, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I am from Colorado. I went to CU Boulder, so stayed in the state. Couldn't leave. Um, I am two years post-grad and, you know, just navigating my way through adulting and all the things that come with it. And, you know, as John mentioned, I have a lot of questions about it. And, you know, I think that makes me a good guest for, for the podcast. I, I can ask you all the things. I'm very curious. Well, fantastic. And, and you've known me long enough. I can, I can make up some relevant answers. Um, <laughs> and if not, we'll, we'll find them for you. And, uh, Absolutely. I think now, one question I had for you, so you went to school here, you went to Boulder for college, you live in and around Boulder. If you could live anywhere else, because it's mm. obviously snowing today in the middle of April in Colorado yep. as I look mm -hmm. outside, any other place in the world, where might you live? I got to say Hawaii. Hawaii. And that All might, right. yep, that might be because it is gray and gloomy here today usually we do have a lot of sunshine so maybe i wouldn't say that but i love the ocean i love the sunshine in hawaii i just think that would be a really really cool place to live all right cool how's your surfing yeah. ability you got pretty good surfing oh, talent i'm working on it my dad loves surfing and we go to mexico every single year so i went out on on the big surf boat last year I was uh -oh. like, okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm a very cautious person when it comes to new activities. And also, I don't like being a beginner. I don't like being bad at things. So it took <laughs> me a lot to actually say, okay, I'm going to go put myself out there in these big waves and be the worst one. And I certainly was the worst one. Um, so who knows if we'll do that again, but I'm working on it. Hey, we'll get you know there what? One day. Exactly. You got to get started somehow. Exactly. Well, that you know, that just... That just leans right into our, our money topics. You know, I know Absolutely. a lot of things. You're you're recently out of school, uh, a couple of years removed, right? And um, yes. certainly a good friend of my my daughter Ellie's uh, from way back when. And so now you start, as you said, adulting. Is, is that still the right word? Is it a new word yet? Or is I that think the so. right one? Okay. I don't think there's um, a new word yet. Yeah. No, maybe we'll trip over one today. Um, <laughs> you know, now that you're a couple years out of school. Um, 
you know, you've been you've been renting and so forth. I mean, what what is some of the the bigger financial questions that you've come across or challenges that you're thinking of right now? I think, you know, when it first when I first graduated and first started making my own money and deciding I'm going to move out of my parents and live on my own and start paying all of these bills, it was sort of like how do you balance saving versus renting versus, you know, I need to spend this on groceries, but I also want to have fun. I'm young, all of those things. So I think that was sort of the biggest barrier or anxiety inducer as I graduated and started making my own money. Um, And I think you sort of just learn about your spending habits and, you know, what you can and can't afford a little bit as you kind of just jump into it. And that's kind of how I feel like I've learned. But also from, you know, people like you and my dad and other people who, you know, have a lot more experience in that area. Well, the reason your dad and I have experience is because we've been around the sun, you know, about 500 times. So we've, uh, (laughs) we've had a lot of experience. We've tripped over a lot of things. Um, How would you describe yourself maybe growing up and maybe how you've evolved? What is your relationship with money? Like when you were younger, were you a were you a saver? You were a spender? And are you better or worse now? I was a big spender. Get out I of town. It. I don't believe oh, it. Oh, get out of town. I know. For real. Um, the first day I could get a job, I think I turned 16 and I drove to get a job because, you know, I would like to say it was fueled by, I wanted to start saving and having having money like that, but it was really fueled by my spending habits and, <laughs> you know, it probably wasn't the best choice for me to get a job at um, a clothing store because oh. I love clothes. And essentially, when I would get paid, that paycheck would just go straight back to them. So they <laughs> might as well have just given me store credit at that point. Um, I had like a back stock of clothes in the back room that I wanted to purchase every single time I got my paycheck. So <laughs> I was absolutely a spender, 100%. Well, you know, full disclosure, I'll probably say this a hundred times. I did the exact same thing when I was in college. One of my jobs, I worked at a sporting goods store and um, and I had no money in college, but I worked there and I would put aside tennis shoes, a tennis racket, clothes that Mm -hmm. I figured I might want to get. And the same thing, I'd get my check. It was gone. It was a, it was definitely a net loss for me, but. uh, Oh Yeah. I think we've evolved now. So yeah. you were you were a spender in high school. Did that? Did you get better or worse in college? And and how would you rate yourself on a scale of one to ten now, as far as being a spender? I would say in college it was about the same. You know, there's always a new a new theme party or something happening on the weekend where I had to have a new outfit, of course. Well, of um, course, yes. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> um, I would say I'm much better now, and I think. You know, that just comes with all of the other expenses that I have. I just don't, you know, at this point in my life, see money as just, you know, new a new pair of clothes that I can get or something like that. It's more of an investment in my future and things like that. So saving is way more important to me. I would say on a level of spendiness, so of 10 where you're the, you're the worst spender in the world, I would say I'm out of five now. And I, I think I'm happy with that. Absolutely. If you're the and if ten <laughs> is the worst in the world and now you're a five, that is that is fantastic. So um that's it's funny. I need to get my daughter up to a five. I think she's the the wrong way. She's yeah. 
Would, would we agree? Well, we'll talk about her another time. So, um, <laughs> so you've been, you've, you've gotten better just because of the adulting topic. You realize I'm like, all right, I can't keep spending all this money. You're making more money. Um, well, now you have a lot of different things competing for your paycheck, right? So, mm -hmm. um, don't know if you're off the cell phone bill yet, have no idea whose cable you're using. You know, we don't need to get into all of those details. That's, uh, that's for a okay. whole nother topic. Um, <laughs> but as far as, you know, we can talk a little bit about saving and investing, but you know, you mentioned to me, you know, kind of next thing. So you live with your boyfriend of, of quite a few years now and yeah. next thing you're, you're looking to buy a house, right? We are. Yeah. We're sort of in that position where we both feel comfortable at our jobs. We've both done a great job saving the past couple of years. And it's sort of that storyline of we don't really want to waste money on rent anymore. So exploring sure. buying a house is absolutely on our radar right now. Yeah. Well, it, it's a little challenge here in Colorado, right? It is. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, you know, obviously interest rates have, have started to creep up. As, as you started to go through the thought process of buying a house, I guess, what, what has been eye-opening to you or confusing or, you know, what are some things that, you know, maybe you still have some, some questions on? Yeah, I think my biggest question is just how do you know you're in a good enough financial position to buy a house? Yeah. Like, I feel, I'll use your term financially organized, and I feel comfortable at the spending level I've been spending at, the saving level, everything. You know, I've been doing that consistently for the past two years. So then to have this big sum of money in front of me and saying, okay, I'm willing to fork out some of my savings and throw it towards that. You know, I know it's an investment in everything, but it still feels like a lot and it still feels scary and honestly holds me back from wanting to do it sometimes. So. I guess, yeah, to circle back to the question, how do you know you're in a good enough position? Well, you know, like a lot of places out west here, west here that, you know, Colorado is, uh, housing has gotten very expensive. Um, you know, you can get free land in the middle of Kansas if you guys want to move there. And um, <laughs> I can only say that because I'm from Kansas, but there are signs <laughs> that are still giving away free land. I guess you'd have to put up a tent or something. But, Perfect. Um, we can just end the call now. That's all the advice uh, I need. Yeah, I don't we'll know why you have to. Why think through this so much? Just, just get a spot there. <laughs> what is the? What are you seeing? Kind of the average price out there that that you guys are considering. I mean, the the balance that's tricky is we have a lot of friends that live in Denver, and we want to be close close to them. Our family is closer to Denver as well. We live in Boulder right now. Um, just simply because our offices are in Boulder. So yeah. prices are more expensive in Boulder and they're also more expensive in Denver. So I'd say we've been looking in like the 400 to 500,000 range. Yeah, which is probably entry level in both those yeah. markets, right? And yeah. so everybody and their mother and their cousin are going out to that same piece, I bet. Absolutely, yeah. and. And the balance I'm talking about, too, is we don't really necessarily want to buy a place in the burbs yet. You know, we want to no. sort of, yeah, like we want to sort of still be, 
near the city, near our friends, and not entirely ready to do that. And, you know, on the flip side, we know that would be much cheaper if this is something we really want to move forward with. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of a tricky balance right now. Yeah, definitely. Well, it, you know, a couple of things on, on the house, and I'm sure you've kind of gone through the math a little bit. Um, are you guys planning on trying to put 20% down on the I don't think we price? would put 20%. We've been that's, looking that's into FHA loans. Yeah, it's a high amount. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing to bring up in this situation, too, is Nick, my boyfriend, and I are going in on this together. We're not married. We don't have joint finances. And, of course, we're in different financial situations. So that's another element to it is, you know, how do you go about that? Sure. Now we're now we're getting into legal questions. I'm gonna have to get all There's my disclaimers out. There are lots <laughs> of things. Um, well, it's it's the biggest purchase you're making ever in your life. Um, for a lot of people, it's the biggest purchase they ever make in their life. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, so you're you're not married. So how do you how do you make it equitable for both people? You know, assuming mm -hmm. that you stay together, you know, long term. It's what we all hope, yeah. but. Who knows what happens, yeah. you know, so you have to make sure that uh, that can be divided if something were to go astray. So um, I Absolutely. can't promise I can give you all those answers right here, but but a couple of things. Um, you know, if if I was going to pull up a graphic, but I don't think it really matters. Um, we can do the math on our head. You know, if if it's okay. a $500,000 home and, you know, you put 10% down, well, obviously that's 50 grand plus expenses you got to come up with right away. Well, then you're dealing with the other things that go into a mortgage. You know, you have homeowner's insurance, you have property casualty insurance, you have possibly PMI, you know, which is mortgage insurance. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yes. So anything that's under 20% down, you're going to have to pay that extra insurance to the mortgage company because they want to have a little um, insurance is the right word. <laughs> they want to have a little insurance that you're going to pay it back. Yep. Um, so for those of you that are listening and have been jogging on the treadmill, you may have just fallen off from boredom. So get back on the treadmill. We're still going here. <laughs> going <laughs> we're going we're still talking so i i think the so coming up with that down payment is one thing so let's say that you guys need you know 60 grand for easy math to get into a home well because of the different parts of your finances yeah do you come up with 40 and your boyfriend comes up with 20 or vice versa or is it half and half um i think that is that's that's more of a personal discussion because if you think that you want to own the home 50-50, uh, you can certainly do that. Um, and that way, you're each sharing the expenses you know, evenly in half. But if you cannot do that, I think you have to figure out other ways that um, I don't know who makes more and I don't care. You know, who is going to overcompensate the other person? And, and mm -hmm. maybe it's other bills that come up. Um, yeah. So I don't, have you guys gone through some of those discussions yet or, or not quite there yet? Or Yeah, we have. And I think it actually helps to look at our rent payments right now. Like one of us is paying more than the other just because one of us makes more than the other. Um, yeah. So that's kind of a, a good thing for us to carry forward is, is that's probably what we would end up doing. 
is having sure. a similar model like that. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think that's fine. So one way you can do it, so you talk about going into a home where you're not yet married. So basically you're kind of going into a home, um, you know, almost like a contract. So you both own the property. You can both be listed on the deed. And, mm -hmm. but the way you own it could be that, again, one person owns 60% and another person owns 40%. Mm -hmm. So if and when you sell that house in the future, and let's say, I hate to do this, but let's say, unfortunately, you go separate ways. Well, when you sell the house in the future, you have those same percentages, right? Mm -hmm. You've agreed that one person gets 60, one person gets 40, and you go your separate ways. Obviously, okay. if you get, you, get, you get married down the road, you can just own the home jointly, and that way either one is going to get the house if someone were to uh, expire prematurely. Um, <laughs> That's so a nice there's, way to put it. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say you get hit by a bus because who gets hit by a bus anymore? I don't know. <laughs> you, you get hit on your scooter. That's probably more realistic, right? Oh, yeah, on the bird. Uh-huh. Those are getting Definitely. outlawed everywhere. Are People they? People have had enough of them. I think so. Have they had enough of them because of traffic reasons or injuries? I, well, I don't, you know, probably a little bit of both, but... I don't know. I get, a t I get a little tired of the scooter litter just as you're around town and you just see a scooter randomly in someone's yard. So, and I don't even live there and it bothers me. So I don't know what I'm, <laughs> why it bothers me. But, but does that make sense? So I think as you, bef when you get to the point of buying a house with another person, it can be a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, or just another person, you just decide how much is each person going to put down and how much is the payment going to be, and you can set up the contract that way. And sure, you're going to have to get a little legal uh, person involved. They don't have to be little. They can just be any normal-sized legal person. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> specifying. Might, <laughs> might have to cut that part. Um, but they can, just, they can help you decide what is the right percentage, and then you go into it just like a contract on anything else. So it's, it's not as complicated yeah. as probably as you think. Definitely. I mean, to us, it felt a little bit complicated, um, and that makes it seem way more simple. So Yeah. <laughs> what I'm not sure is on the mortgage, um, you know, that one, basically both of you would be on the mortgage, and the mortgage company doesn't care what your percentage is. Mm -hmm. Just like your, your lease where you're renting. You're both on the mm -hmm. lease. They don't care who pays what. They just want all of right. it at one point. They just want so the it's money. Really the, yeah. yeah, they just want the money. So that would be my, yeah. my best guess on that. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. I mean, that's, that's a huge deal to kind of get that, get that started. Um, do you feel... Are you guys watching interest rates on a regular basis or? We're not, I wouldn't say we're watching them on a regular basis. I would say we're watching them as we've been exploring over the past three months. And that is an interesting thing to think about too, because you know we're talking to lenders and they're saying, yeah, they're high right now, but they'll come down and then you can refinance. You just have to be okay with maybe paying a little bit more the first year or the second year. So I would be curious to get your opinion on that. Yeah, you know, I don't, I mean, it's, it's not that big of a deal because like you're saying, the house or condo or townhouse that you guys are looking at, 
in Colorado in the Front Range, again, is, is more on that entry-level side. And so historically, I don't know what the, the numbers are now, but historically, most people did not stay in their house for more than seven years. People moved every mm -hmm. seven years. I would argue in your, you know, up until you're 40, you're going to move a lot more than that. Um, we are living in our eighth house that we have bought over time. And now we've been in this one for over 20 years. I don't think we're moving. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you have to think that, all right, interest rates, they feel high because a year ago they were at 3% and now they're hovering around 7%. Um, the question is, will they come back down later this year or next mm -hmm. year? Nobody knows. Um, yeah. They certainly could, but are they going to go back to 2 or 3% anytime soon? I doubt it. Yeah. I doubt it. Because that's going to require some type of catastrophe, you know, and nobody wants <laughs> right. that. Right. We don't want that. <laughs> no. So if, if the interest rate is, I mean, if you end up getting in at 5 6 7%, it's not wonderful, but historically that's still a really good rate. It's just we saw yeah. abnormally good rates over the last three years because of right. COVID. Yeah, so it's hard to not compare. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, do you see out there now if you wanted to buy a house that, I guess you haven't put any bids on anything yet, right? No, not yet. Yeah, because I'm curious, maybe we can check back in in a month or two how competitive that is at that price because people are coming in fast and furious probably. Yeah, I, I wonder the same. I mean, we were looking at a few places um, in this one area that we really like, and, you know, they went on the market one day, and then they were off the next. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting um, what's going on out there right now. I don't know. Sure. Well, you, you had also asked, um, I mean, the only other thing I would say about buying your, your first home especially is, you know, you want something that, that you think you can get that checks most of the boxes. It's not going to mm -hmm. check all the boxes, but it checks most of the boxes. And then you have to think of it, you know, probably in two or three years, we may be, hopefully we'll be moving up to a little bit bigger place or five years. And then this will be a good starter place for people that are in our position now. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So kind of in that frame of mind, you're like, all right, well, I'm buying something now knowing I'm not going to be in there forever, but it's a pretty cool spot and someone else will want it down the road, right? Yeah. I mean, that leads me to another area of conversation, which is, like you're saying, we likely won't be in this place, you know, this place that we could potentially be buying for more than five years. You know, what if somebody gets a job in a different state in two years and we need to move and that's just our situation? Um, that leads me to renting that place out. Sure. And, you know, I understand how that works and whatever but is that financially a burden is it potentially great like what are kind of the risks that come with that yeah that's that's a great question um well it, as every financial question uh it depends uh kind of depends <laughs> on where you guys are three four years from now financially so if you're both um jobs are going great you're making a little more money than you anticipated hopefully now you've built up a little equity in the home and so you have um, something that you could rent out and the rent would at least cover 
close to all of your expenses or most of them. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think you want to anticipate you're going to make money on the rent that is over and above your expenses that are being paid in, especially because mm -hmm. your mortgage and all those payments are going to be kind of high. So let's say you're paying, you know, $3,000 a month all in, you know, if you can get $3,000 a month for rent, well, that would be great. But uh, you, you just don't know. However, when it, so that kind of goes back to thinking if you think you might get transferred in three years or five years or a great opportunity comes up, if your place is in a really good spot that someone would want to rent it and you think you might want to come back to Denver 10 years from now, well then, yeah, that's certainly a, it's a real estate decision and mm -hmm. it, it's hard to say what real estate is going to do because in my experience, we moved here in 99. The first house we bought did not appreciate at all for 10 years. Oh, wow. Nothing. It was worth exactly what we paid for it 10 years later. Okay. Isn't that hard to believe? Yeah. I don't believe that um, at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, for almost all of us in Colorado, most of the appreciation in the homes, um, a good chunk of it has come in the last four or five years. Wow. Because... And all these people want to move here. Um, yeah. Which, funny side note, I was in the airport last week and I saw a kid, a kid, he's probably in his 20s, he had a t-shirt and it said, Colorado sucks, tell your friends. <laughs> Spread the word. Don't I need to get that t-shirt? I need to get that bumper sticker. Definitely. You know? Yep. Put it everywhere. That was a good one. <laughs> you um, need that behind you. That's right. That's right. There you go. So, um, you know, as far as a real estate investment, I think if you have the right property that someone would want to rent, but obviously then you've got to decide when you're buying a new place, can you swing the down payment again? And, and this mm -hmm. gets into kind of leveraging the home that you own. So let's say that now you have a house that is worth 500000 You owe 400000 Mm-hmm. So you have $100,000 of equity that you basically own in the home. Mm -hmm. See what I mean? Yep. So could you borrow against that 100000 and then roll it into the next home? I mean, that's certainly mm -hmm. what people do. It, it's a challenge in Colorado when you're starting out because obviously you're trying to get in your first house and, and equity, but um, that's certainly something you can do and try to do because real estate in general, is, is a decent long-term investment. Yeah, I think that's kind of our goal in the end is to have a bunch of investment properties and that what you're talking about, um, you know, putting the equity against the new property that you're potentially buying seems to be that kind of model um, sure. for investment. So, yeah. I, I think that, so the downside is, okay. what do you think the downside would be? What could happen? I mean, I my first thought goes to you don't have a renter. Like you can't find somebody to rent. And then also, yep. what if your renters just suck? Check, check. I've had both. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I've had renters that left in the middle of the night and totally wow. scrapped my place. And uh, trying to keep this somewhat PG. I told uh -huh. myself no no f bombs in the first uh, episode. Okay. In the first <laughs> season. Um, 
That's for season I've had two. Some, yeah, season two. Come back. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you nailed it. You could have a renter that um, their lease is up, and then you're you're you don't have a renter for a month or two. And again, it's mm-hmm. it's in our short history in Colorado. Our short thinking is well, heck, over the last two years, everything is rented. You can't find a place to rent. Everything goes yeah. in cycles, right? So yeah. it certainly could come back. And then number two, you could just have that bad renter that doesn't pay you for a month or two months, and then it's it's a pain in the butt to kick them out. And um, yeah, you know the other idea is certainly you know having you know here in Colorado we have the opportunity to have a property in the mountains, you know, and kind of have the short term rentals. But that whole market mm-hmm. is kind of evolving a little bit um, because yeah. you know the the mountains don't want short term renters necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. So you do, you have to, if you have rental properties, you have to treat it like a business. You have to have enough cash flow to cover it for months on end if you don't have a renter. And then sometimes you just gotta fix it up, right? But, um, right. and some people are really good at it. I sucked at it. I was not a good <laughs> landlord. I was too nice and people took advantage of me. So you gotta be kind of a hard I- ass. Yeah, I I could see myself doing doing the same. At least one of you has to be a hard ass, you know. So you can right. be a good cop, bad cop. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I think those are all good things to do because if you think about it, you know, kind of, and you don't have to acquire properties just in Colorado. You know, certainly it could be a lake property or whatever it is. But right. You know, I think if you space those out, you can, you know, as you start to get your first one and second one it makes it easier to borrow to get further ones because you know right. one last thing I'll mention on this is your mortgage your best mortgage rate is on the home you live in so okay. whatever your primary place of living that's going to be your best mortgage rate so maybe you get that at 6% if you mm-hmm. get a rental property your mortgage might be at 8 or 9% mhm interesting okay simply for the reason, probably not that much different, but simply for the reason is the bank lending you money, they know you're not going to vacate your own home, but you could mm. somehow ditch your rental property. So that's more of a risk for them. That makes sense. Yep. Good thing to so, think about too. God, that's really adult stuff. Sorry about that. That's For real. I mean, my final like big daddy question of them all is how do you kind of, get ahead of risks that come with buying a house in in the sense and for example that I get very nervous that we make an offer we close on this house we're so excited and then yeah. next month everything is in shambles we we both lose our jobs we can't pay our mortgage all of these things you know I can lead myself down a whole rabbit hole and get very anxious about it um, so I try to not do that but how do you kind of minimize that risk or get over that mental barrier? And even when it comes to finances, like how do you ensure that that risk is minimized? Yeah, no, I, I, that's, that's a really good thought process, whether it's uh, anxiety or anything. But, right. but thinking about that from the future, I mean, you go back, you know, just a few years ago, you know, you're in college, you know, and, and you're your biggest thought is how am I going to pay for this Subway sandwich on Saturday? You know, um, now it's, it's gotten a little bit bigger. Uh, I I think it goes back to, you know, 
getting financially organized. And so if you're buying a house, that's, you know, you're, you're ahead of the game. So let's assume that, you know, you're, you're contributing to your retirement program at work. You said you, you both have built up savings, um, in the bank, you know, and now getting into that house to be financially ready for it, you know, part of being financially organized is having, you know, having an emergency fund, you know, or mm -hmm. sometimes I just call it a no shit fund. So you, you got, <laughs> you got some money when it hits a fan, you know, and mm -hmm. that amount of money depends on really what you might be making and what your expenses are. Okay. So let's say with rent, you know, your travel budget to all the weddings you're going to, um, yeah, of course. Of course, you're at that age, and um, <laughs> whatever else might be coming up. So let's say you're spending four grand a month. You know, it might be more than okay. that. Um, well, then you want to have. They say three months. But I always say six months at least in the bank. So six times four is twenty-four. So twenty-four, okay. twenty-five thousand in a separate bank account that is just there. Okay. It's not invested. It's just sitting in the bank. Maybe it's earning a little bit of interest, but that's not money that's necessarily allocated to the down payment. It's just mm -hmm. there in case something happens like you lose your job. Um, okay. I, I think your, um, your generation, this is my first getting out on my front lawn preaching moment. Um, <laughs> your generation got shot down with COVID during college and school, which was, terrible for a lot of us around the world, a lot of people around the world. But your college got cut short and it was weird and everything. But the job market since you've been out of college has been tremendous, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can quit today, take off three months and find another job, no problem. Um, You're right. It's not always like that. Um, yeah. So having that emergency fund is set up. So if one of you loses your job, if you both were to lose your job, you have something to continue to make those payments. So you figure six months, that's pretty good. You know, you can figure out other ways to cost, you know, save money on different things. And then Absolutely. I think that helps gives you peace of mind a little bit, right? I think so too. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that would give me peace of mind. Do you, um, so, you know, as far as your, your savings right now, I'll just, I'll kind of, maybe we'll kind of wrap up this and maybe we'll, we'll talk about investments on another one, but, um, yeah. tell me, tell me how you're saving now. Is it something that you automatically do from your paycheck? Do you divert it into a special account? Do you guys do it differently? What, what are you doing now? So I have automatic deposits set up. So whenever I get paid, a chunk of that goes into my savings, which has been really helpful for me because then I don't even see it. It's out of sight, out of mind, and my savings is just being built. So that's really what's worked for me, and that's what I continue to do. That's great. That's great. I just call that robo-saving. Just forget about yeah. it, and it goes right in. Is the savings account just at your same bank? Same bank. Yep. Okay. Um, and I think that's awesome. That's, that's a big step. Um, how do you feel like you are with credit cards and paying your credit cards and those type of things? I'm good. I'm good awesome. at making my payments. <laughs> good, because I know your mom and dad are going to listen to them. I don't want them to come yell at me. So, I know. Um, 
I think, um, and this has happened since I got out of college, you know, credit cards have upended so many people in so many's lives because the credit card companies have, have made it too easy on us. And mm -hmm. um, so as long as you're paying those off, I think that's, I always say if you have credit card debt, you know, that's the best way to make some money is pay that down. But it sounds like you're doing a great job on that. So you get a gold star. Good job, Abby. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the only other thing I might recommend on the savings is since interest rates have gone up, that affects your auto loan rates, it affects rental rates, it eventually mm -hmm. affects mortgage rates, which we're seeing now on a negative way. But on a mm -hmm. positive way, it also affects savings rates at the bank. So yeah. three years ago, the start of COVID, savings rates at banks went down to effectively zero. I mean, you're making nothing. Mm -hmm. Banks have been slow and or reluctant or just haven't increased those rates because they haven't had to. But there are places where you can find better interest rates. So instead of getting 0%, you can get 3%, 4%, maybe even more. Um, and, you can and sometimes you can get them from your same bank. You just have to go in and just knock on their desk and say, hey, I want a better rate. Right. That's not even something I thought about exploring. I was just like, I have this savings account. I've had it since I was, you know, whenever, however old you have to be when you can open your own bank account. Sure. And I haven't even thought about that. So that's definitely something I will explore because I like not that. that you know, <laughs> not that you know how to go into a bank branch because I don't know that anybody <laughs> does anymore. But um, yeah, I would just go back to your regular bank and say, hey, can I get a... I'm not taking money out of the savings. Can I find something that's paying? What's the best interest rate I can get? The challenge is you don't want them to lock it up so you can't get it out, you know, like mm -hmm. CDs or something like that. I don't think you necessarily okay. need that, but you certainly could get a higher savings around. And if not, you can start to shop around and probably find something. Yeah, that's a great idea. But That's um, my go bit. There's your go bit. There's, there's your parting words. <laughs> um, all right, did we... Do we cover enough? We kind of went through a lot of things. We've already zipped through some time, so. I think so. I think we hit all of my questions. I, of course, have more, but like we said, we can save that for another time. Let's save that. We want people to come back, so. <laughs> I think well, so, too. thank you so much, Miss Abby, for being my first guest. I mean, this has been tremendous. I don't know who could I possibly get to follow you up. I mean, I know your mom wants to be on it, but we're going to push her down say. the road. <laughs> You can get my mom. <laughs> well, uh, we'll hold off on that till I'm I'm really ready. But uh, okay. Well, thanks yeah. a lot. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. And um, as more questions come up, just let me know. I will. Thank you. This has been wonderful. All right. See ya. All right. Bye. Bye.